you have an inquisitive mind? Where do you go for answers? Imagine if the natural world held an answer to every question. Welcome to the Flowerhood Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Frankfurt. I'm on an orchard growing avocados and there's something going on. The more time I spend in nature, the more I learn about myself. Is it possible that until we connect with nature, we never truly flourish in our relationships, community, businesses or health? Oh boy, this is no ordinary gardening podcast. Join me at my kitchen table for wide and varied conversations with old and new friends from around the world. I'll be asking questions on how they connect with nature, what the research shows us, and look for ways we can incorporate these learnings into our lives. Let's get started. Morena. Good morning. Malik's here in New Zealand. And whatever time of day or night it is for you, it's great to have you here. Thanks for joining me. I'm so excited about today's podcast. It's a topic very dear to my heart, sleep. Good quality sleep. And I know for some of us, this can be elusive and a challenge. So welcome to the Flowerhood Podcast. And I'm thinking there's a thought going through your mind right now. Alex, what the hell are you going on about sleep? What's that got to do with nature and our connection with nature? Well, a lot more than what you probably think, my friend. So I'll have a bit more on that a bit later. But firstly, look, I wanted to tell you about my cat. I love talking about my cat. My cat's called Braveheart. He was a wild kitten and I found him on the orchard back in May 2020. Actually, I can't really call him a kitten anymore. He's more like a juvenile delinquent and growing very big, fast. I say that in a very loving way. He was on the orchard. I I heard this commotion and I ran outside. I thought it was uh, something attacking my chickens. And then I saw this tiny little kitten surrounded by the two neighbours' dogs. One was Boxer, the other one a little foxy. And the Boxer actually had the kitten in its mouth. I just screamed and ran over and basically got him to drop it, which was lucky. And this kitten was absolutely petrified. But what I thought was amazing was he was fighting back. He was brave, hence the name. So I guess it's about six months on now and... And he's a young man. And sometimes I'll wake up and he'll be sort of lying there curled up and and he'll just have his little paw on my hand. And it's really cute. Or he might come up and kind of swat my eyes with his paw to wake me up. Also cute. But this week, I woke up, opened my eyes, and there was this cat face two inches from mine, his head on the pillow, and he's staring at me, wide awake. And he had his body kind of stretched out alongside me like an adult down the bed. And the really freaky thing was that he had his legs (laughs) wrapped around my arms in this kind of very human-like embrace. 
oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if I have known this cat in a past life, but this was a little bit close for comfort. <laughs> and also this kind of non-blinking stare that he was doing. I mean, how long had he been looking at me for? Anyway, it was kind of strange. And all you non-cat people out there, you're probably thinking, oh my God, that's just disgusting. Yuck. How can you have this feline sleeping there right next to your face in your bed? How unhygienic. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There is power in the purr. A study at one of the universities, I think it was University of Minnesota, found that cat owners are 30% less likely to die from a heart attack. And cats also lower our chance of dying of cardiovascular disease. Scientists have found cat ownership cuts stroke risk by a third. That's incredible. Scientific America states that a cat's purr reduces stress levels and lowers blood pressure. It also talks about like the frequency of a cat's purr between 25 and 150 hertz and how that can facilitate bone density and healing. Now that is extraordinary. So here's to cats, yay! The power of the purr. Of course, if you are a cat lover, actually dogs as well, then you also benefit from all those feel-good hormones, such, such as oxytocin and stuff that race around your body every time you stroke them, greet them. You know, look at their cute little faces. I guess the only problem for me was Braveheart practically gave me a heart attack when I woke up. I was kind of in a bit of shock seeing that little face right next to mine. So anyway, back to sleep. So it kind of got me thinking about bed and sleep and good quality sleep and all that. And, and, and that's why I just really wanted to have a chat about that today. I used to be a pretty poor sleeper and I was haunted by this kind of a 3 a.m. wake up. So I'd be lying there and my mind would replay the conversations of the day and I'd be thinking about what I said, what they said, what I should have said, what I didn't say, what I should have left out. I, and it's this kind of a torture, and I don't know if you recognise this, you might do it yourself. Uh, the thing is, it goes on and on for hours, and you're looking at the clock, it's like 4am, 5am, and then you finally fall to sleep into this deep sleep, and that's about 10 minutes before your alarm goes off, and you have to wake up and get on with your day. And you spend the entire day feeling shitty. The other pattern that haunts me at times, or used to haunt me a lot, was I'd feel extremely tired, start to fall asleep, but then I'd wake up in like half an hour of having fallen asleep, and then I'd lie in bed for hours and not get back to sleep. Another really irritating, painful thing that goes on in your life. Not good, not healthy. So sleep is such an interesting topic, don't you think? I mean, we spend like so much of our lives asleep, and yet so much of the kind of literature, scientific studies, books, 
you know, they're talking more about what we do when we're awake. Though I've got to say, things are ramping up a bit. Over the last few years, probably the last 10 years, you know, I've noticed that there are a hell of a lot more articles in magazines about sleep and a lot more scientific studies. And I guess some of this has come about by the fact that people want to really kind of maximise, optimise their performance. And so they've started to look at the play, the role play of sleep and what it does to our body. And also I think there's just been a lot more research on the brain and the way our bodies work as a whole system. I think everyone is far more aware of the need for quality sleep to help our body build and repair. So we talk a lot about the old brain versus the new brain, you know, those evolutionary layers starting with the reptilian brain that controls our breath, body temperature balance, the limbic brain, which records behaviours and habits made up of the hippocampus, the amygdala, and the hypothalamus. This controls the strong influences over our behaviours. And then there's the third part, the neocortex, those two large hemispheres that play a part in human language, abstract thought, and almost that kind of infinite ability to learn stuff, which is amazing. And we think about sleep, our bodies, I mean, up until the 1870s when the electric lamp was invented, we spent the early evening winding down. Thousands and thousands of years had gone by with us humans and our social patterns and sleep patterns mirrored, really mirrored the natural environment. So the sun coming up and the sun going down. And when the sun went down, it was the signal to put our bodies and brains to rest. And it's really only in the last couple of hundred years that things have dramatically changed. We used to read by candlelight, yet a candle only emits one lux, so a small amount of light energy. And it's such a low level of light emission that brain stimulation doesn't really happen through that. And then everything has kind of changed. Now in this modern age, the last, you know, 100, 150, 200 years, we've suddenly got all forms of artificial light happening in the evenings. So anyway, there's a couple of things to chat about when it comes to sleep. And firstly, the circadian rhythms. You know, this is like our inbuilt clock. It controls not only sleep, but it also controls things like our body temperature, metabolism, emotions, and our feeding habits. And then we have melatonin. This rises and falls during the day in our body. And it's kind of like a signaling system that flags when the timings are ripe for sleep or heading to sleep. And it peaks at 4 a.m. We have these beautiful things called our eyes. And our eyes take in light signals. And the eyes are the, the input mechanism. They connect via a neural pathway to the SCN. And there's an area of our brain behind the eyes called the full name is, oh hell, hope I get this one right, suprachiasmatic nucleus, SCN. 
and it's described as the central pacemaker of the circadian timing system. And it regulates most of those circadian rhythms in our body. And it messages our pineal gland, tells it to secrete melatonin. And so it's our eyes that have a connection to the SCN. And when we are in a light, bright environment, the message is melatonin production inhibited. And when it's dark, melatonin production is stimulated. And remember what I said earlier, these circadian rhythms, they're not just about controlling sleep, they're about sending messages to regulate body temperature, feeding time, elimination, all sorts of functions in our body, important functions. So one way you could picture this SCN is, is kind of as almost like a master central clock and it links to all sorts of other clocks in our body, small localized clocks that control things like the feeding, the glucose tolerance, blood pressure, pulmonary tone, God, I can't even say that, pulmonary, pulmonary, lungs. <laughs> so there are diseases related to the disruption of circadian rhythm. Cancer, depression, sterility, sleep disturbance, metabolic syndromes. Okay, this is something we've got to think about. Think about the fact that when we are deprived of sleep, it's not just deprived of sleep, I feel sleepy. There is other stuff going on. Appetite changes. Depression, our thoughts so we see how important it is to have light and have it at the right time of the day to stimulate the pineal gland into making or suppressing melatonin. Now what happens when we introduce this artificial light? Well, all this extra light that we have when we live in cities or that we have in our homes, you know, emitting from our laptops, our iPads, our phones, flashing lights around the house, reminders, screens, the television going on, the house lighting. Our, our brain is overstimulated and we inhibit the natural release of the melatonin. So how can we counteract this? Well, firstly, each and every day, get out into nature. Get outside into the outside environment. Even on an overcast day, Get yourself outside. If you have to be in an office, pick the window seat. Seriously, like be as close as you can to natural light. At lunchtime, don't stay inside. Get yourself out. If it's the middle of winter, take those precious hours of light and make sure that you really schedule in to head out into them and have a walk around the block. At nighttime, when we're exposed to light, especially that blue light from the phones, which mimics daylight and fools the brain into thinking it's daytime, we really send everything out of whack. So make sure you put your phone onto night mode. The same with the computer. You know, you can put it onto a, a night setting and it changes the color and dims the screen. Turn off all your notifications an hour or so before you go to sleep. And the easiest way to do this, as everyone knows, is just to pop your phone onto airline mode. 
what you really don't want to have is you don't want to have all those crazy like dings and rings and pings <laughs> disturbing your precious sleep when you are asleep. I mean, the last thing you really want to do is in the back of your mind is have that that kind of flash of light or, or, or a sound which which wakes you up. The other thing I like to do, and I do this in hotel rooms as well as in my bedroom, is put some black sticky tape over the Wi-Fi modem because flashing lights drive me mad. Or better still, look, if you've got Wi-Fi, just turn it off overnight. If your curtains aren't great, then wear an eye mask. Simple. If you think that the quality and the ability of sleep affects all parts of your body, then make it a priority to give yourself the best chance possible and control your conditions. This is up to you. There's no one else out there who's going to do this. You know, you need to step up and give yourself a chance. And here's my favourite tip of all. If you are really, really out of whack, your sleeping is all over the place. It's been going on for weeks, months, years. You are just so not in sync. Get back to nature. Go camping. Yes, camping. A week of camping can help reset your circadian rhythms. And there's actually been scientific papers written about this. And when I say camping, I don't mean glamping for all those out there, or I don't mean just like hopping in your extremely smart motorhome either with full set of lighting inside. What I mean is get there with the tent and the only light you have that you take is a torch. Though, of course, firelight is allowed. Leave the devices at home. Tune in with nature. Tune in with the light and the dark cycles. You find that you'll turn in earlier and you'll wake up earlier. In fact, what they've shown is campers' biological clock can change up to 2.5 hours with a camping trip. And the opposite happens if you stay at home and sleep in over the weekends. So nature, nature has so much to do with our sleep. Isn't that incredible? And what our eyes take in, the light, the amount of light, the quality of light, that can change everything. So guys, get out there. Get out there today. Or if it's nighttime, go and turn off the devices. Well, you can do that now, hopefully. <laughs> Finish listening to the podcast. <laughs> and I just wish you all the best. I wish you happy sleep, happy dreams. And have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye. My heartfelt thanks for listening all the way to the end of this Flowerhood podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to the show, like and review it on your favourite player. Be part of the greater Flowerhood community. Join the Flowerhood Facebook group and find show notes and information at flowerhood.com. I can't wait to share the next episode. Until then, hey, why not stop and smell the roses?